to know what the product is that you're selling, to understand how to sell it and to sort of win at, at sort of selling it, you need to understand the psychology of the customer. And so the best way to, to understand the psychology of the customer is to be the customer. Alrighty guys, greetings and welcome to the third episode in season two of Two Way to Live, Too Rare to Die. Today's show is starring Michael Janke, co-founder and CEO of The Natural Patch Co. and a couple of other companies. The Natural Patch Co. is a company that provides all natural solutions to help children enjoy and explore the world with fewer interruptions from mosquito repellent patches to anti-allergy patches, you know, that sort of thing. The most interesting part about Michael is the journey against the grain that it took to get here. He and his co-founder mastered the art of turning challenges to profits over time, and this story is one for the books. This episode is about loving the hustle above everything else and how that changes your worldview. Before we get into it, Here's a word from our sponsor. A brilliant startup like yours needs the best of the best on your team. Are you taking advantage of global talent? Level up your team for more success for only 33% of your usual hiring costs. Go to www.athena.io slash rare right now to learn more. That's www.athyna.io slash R-A-R-E. Cool, cool. All right, well, um, let's let's rip into it. So, um, welcome to Too Weird to Live, Too Rare to Die. Uh, a podcast telling the stories of founders, investors, and operators working to turn the world we live in into a better place. So, um, Michael Janke, thanks for thanks for uh, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. Cool, good stuff. Hey, um, so Michael, uh, as is um, per the custom of too um, too rare to die. I'm going to throw it over to Wallo, who's going to announce us in. Um, every week, Wallo prepares a, a special guest, uh, a song for the guest. And uh, this week is no different. So over to you, Wallo. Yeah. Michael, have you been song to before? Uh, but... mm-hmm. So I'll be honest. I used to, uh, in my former life, I so my former training is uh, I have a Bachelor of um, Production. Uh, oh. or ba- I actually have a Bachelor of, of a production in or, or theater drama, uh, bachelor of drama in theater production. Uh, it changed after I left, but but uh, I'm I was strictly backstage, not not front stage. Uh, but yeah. I managed to tour with a, a lot of entertainers, performance comedians. Uh, so we've had yeah. a bit of fun over the time with an audience. <laughs> so uh, I haven't specifically yeah. been stung to, uh, but I've <laughs> had fun, fun with uh, entertainers. Today's yeah, let, let's change that for you today. You know, <laughs> we'll we change that for you. So uh, I will share some music and share the lyrics so you can follow along. All of that stuff. So here we are, and boom. There's a patch on my arm. There's a patch in my car 
natural. That's the patch. That's the patch. That's the patch. Da da da. Da da da. Da da da. Da da da. Michael Jenkins postman patch. There's a patch on my cat. There's a patch on my hat. On my cat. On my cat. And my mat. Yes, in fact. Da da da. Da da da. Da da da. Da da da. Michael Jenkins postman patch. Enjoy the outro. <laughs> this beautiful man, beautiful. <laughs> oh, that's so good. Oh, uh, awesome. I'll get the recording. Hey, we can turn that into a Facebook ad. <laughs> we'll turn it into an NFT. We'll turn it into NFT. Um, that's fun. Awesome. So, so good. Yeah. Um, thanks, Wallo. Unreal. Hey, um, Michael. So, plenty to talk about. You've got a, a pretty varied varied uh, and expansive you know history in 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 your career of um building and selling businesses and 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 so on and so forth and it's um super interesting but would love to hear if you want to take us back to kind of a little bit about your background you know where you came from you know where, where who is uh michael janky i guess yeah sure um so it's it's i don't get to tell the, the whole story very often but um it's often fun and, and really sort of leads into why I, I have somewhat of a, a unique understanding of um, people and business and trying things and emotional attachments or lack of emotional attachment. <laughs> um, I, uh, so for, I'm from Melbourne, born and bred, uh, still live here in Melbourne. Um, and uh, I've been, my, I'll, I'll, I won't go all the way back to school. Well, you know what, I will. I'll go back to when yeah, I was three or I go back to when I was three or four years old. Mm-hmm. Um, my best friend uh, Gary, who who I went to school with, um, whole way through from from sort of kinder uh, to, to secondary school, um, uh, lived about a hundred metres up the road from me. And it, it's uh, the reason the reason I mentioned that. And I fast forward, uh, fast forward very quickly. It's Gary. Um, so we finished school, uh, went our separate ways for about uh, ten years, uh, and then ended up being back in business together. So, so Gary's um, one of my co-founders in the Natural Patch Company, uh, and has been in in all the technology businesses that we've been in uh, and out of uh, over the last ten or so years. So, uh, yeah, that, the story of Gary and I dates back, um, yeah, uh, not quite forty years, but uh, uh, not not that far off, closer to forty than thirty-five. Um, oh, I see, and. And uh, yeah, uh, so anyway, let me fast forward. My uh, my working careers, I went, so it's sort of funny, I went to a private school, but I, I was not a typical academic student. Uh, and so to get out of class, I'd do the co-curricular backstage sort of stuff. Um, and that mm-hmm. um, led me to get into a bit of trouble at school. And I think there's probably uh, an overarching theme with um, my schooling and then career of, um, uh, of knowing better, uh, so not mm-hmm. listening to what people tell me <laughs> to do, or not listening to the way things uh, are taught, or how they're done. And even at university was sort of the same thing, uh, but doing things my own. Yeah, doing things mm-hmm. my own way, and it really came from uh, from trying to take shortcuts. And it's not that I'm a lazy person, but I also I I, I love efficiency, uh, mm-hmm. and so I'm like, if that's not efficient, then like it, it doesn't work for me. Uh, anyway, uh, after school, uh, after getting in trouble a lot at school, uh, I ended up being accepted into uh, the Victorian College of the Arts to do a uh, Bachelor of Dramatic Art in Theatre Production. Uh, so it's very much the backstage rather than front of stage stuff. 
Um, but it was this funny thing. It was sort of coming from a private school, although I wasn't in class very much. Uh, it was a portfolio-based um, application, so it wasn't a wasn't like a score-based entry. Um, mm-hmm. it, and and it was a very small class. So I was sort of quite shocked that I got in. Um, so there's only about twenty or twenty-one of us that got in. Twenty-one of us started, and maybe ten finished or eleven finished. Um, but, uh, it was also this thing of like, the work was easy. Like there there was sort of like no homework. It was just high contact hours, but no homework. Um, and the contact hours were about working on theater shows and that sort of thing. And, and, um, somehow I'd managed to start my own company when, you know, at about the same time as starting university. So, uh, this funny sort of thing happened where we'd be assigned to work on a school production and I sort of majored in, um, lighting design and, and in my career, sort of moved into production management. But uh, I'd be I'd be at uni, and they'd be like, "Hey, work on this, you know, school production or university production." Uh, and then on the side, I'd be like, sort of, um, you know, working on commercial sort of projects with real budgets <laughs> and getting paid fees That's and good. stuff. So, yeah, <laughs> so I used to get in trouble at university too. They'd be like. You know, so it was like the analogy of the the analogy of the guy who's uh, in class with a newspaper in front of him, but he's actually got a comic book inside of the the the, the, the inside of the fold. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I treated university like I did like I did the things that I thought were worthwhile and not the things I was necessarily told to do. So this, um, mm-hmm. this uh, pissed off some of my lecturers. It was all, I, <laughs> I remember this um, a great story. Unfortunately, both lecturers have now since passed. But I remember. With, they used to um, sit us down every half year and say, you know, this is a student review and that you'd sort of be sat in the middle of a, 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 the front of a room and there'd be all the lecturers sitting like in a U-shape around you and they'd have a box of tissues on the table for you for when you walked in because, you know, it was like psychologically getting us ready that they were going to be mean to us or something. And I remember one of my oh. lecturers, yeah, one stage said to me, you know, Michael, you don't, you, you know, you don't uh, attend enough. You're not putting in enough hours. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I was like, mm, so what have I missed? And they just sort of said, oh, well, it's the general vibe of it. And I just went, okay, cool. And then another one of my lecturers said, um, you know, you'll never work in this industry. And uh, and then one of the other lecturers turns around and just said, what are you talking about? For the last three years, he's like been working more than any other student professionally. Like it's probably <laughs> the most one of the most successful in the in the class. Uh, and that was, you know, it was sort of this funny thing of, of that. That's again, you know, down that same thing of, you know, doing what I want, taking the shortcuts. Like, why waste my time doing? Mm-hmm. I don't know, just hanging around on campus uh, when I can be out doing work. Anyway, um, that was the glory. So after university, I, I sort of ran ran um, a, a business that was very closely tied to my own name and my own ego, uh, and <laughs> sort of a, a big emotional attachment. Um, that was a really like successful company. We would we were a team of, of of, I guess, professionals doing uh, lighting design work and production management work and we were touring uh, theatre shows uh, or running theatre shows in Melbourne, all over Australia and, and even internationally. And, uh, we used to do a lot of comedy work as well, so so certainly around the Melbourne okay. comedy scene. Yeah, used to tour with a lot of comedians and I still, and it's been about 10 years since I've been out of that and, and I still look back on those years and just sort of shake my head at the stories, you know, some of the things we worked on and some of the people we toured with and, and sort of the major major events that happened, I, I'm just like, you know, smiling. And even now what's um, sort of somewhat topical actually just in the last week is this talk of Melbourne getting the Commonwealth Games in 2026. Mm. Um, and I, I still like that, I read that article, it just brought this huge grin to my face because I remember 
working um, quite quite closely on the Melbourne 2006 Commonwealth Games uh, and how like an amazing time that was in, in Melbourne and in Australia and in our business to be working on that. And so anyway, those, those sort of things are, are ace, but um, I call that my, my sort of 10 or 12 year MBA, that business. Mm-hmm. Um, rather than spend, you know, 100 grand getting an MBA, I, I probably spent more than that losing money in that <laughs> business overall. Um, yeah. But, but uh, you know, Learned the hard way, um, and and uh, but actually learned as well. You know, you you, you learn yeah. the hard way, but you actually learnt by doing. You know, yeah. like there's there's a million things you can learn in the classroom, and then when you actually go out and put your hands on something and get your hands dirty, and yeah, sure, you might you know learn a lot of you know, things the hard way, but you've actually gone and, and done it. You know, it's a lot easier to um, yeah. go and do the next thing when you've actually executed on something rather than just learnt about it. <clears throat> yeah, that, that's right. And I used to, I even remember early on in, in my career in that business uh, as a production manager, which is someone who essentially takes a show from, you know, when someone, when a director or producer has a concept and uh, delivers the product, which is, you know, the stage show or the tour or mm-hmm. whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I remember early on in my career going, uh, I, when I was completely inexperienced, I'm like, oh, I, I can nail this. The reason I can nail this is because, uh, you know, if, in this job, it's 90% uh, effort and sort of grind and 10% experience. Like experience doesn't matter. It's about the effort and the grind. Uh-huh. And so early in my career, I knew that um, doesn't matter what the challenge was, I could solve this challenge as long as I put my mind into it and, and mm-hmm. time and effort. Uh, and then towards the end of my career, I you know, could look back and smile and go, uh, you know, these days it's about 90% experience and 10% effort. Um, oh. I, you know, I can know six months out what the problems are going to be as opposed to do it, delivering that, you know, or fixing those problems on the ground. Um, and both are still completely valid points of view. And so still in a business mm-hmm. uh, these days, when we start a business or launch something, it's um, partially from experience where, you know, we take the learning and go, we know what we're doing. We know what this needs to look like. We know what the metrics need to be. We know if this idea can succeed. Uh, but also mm-hmm. part of it is, um, a, or a big part of it is, just because people say it's done this way or people with experience they how to do things um, doesn't mean that's the way that they're done. So let's let's do it differently and that's how we're going to win. That's how we're going to differentiate and win. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, so I got out of that business, learned a whole lot of lessons like uh, not being emotionally, too emotionally attached, uh, not mm-hmm. giving people payment terms because the worst thing I, I, the thing I hated most was, was paying an account receivable person that would be chasing up customers to pay their bills from... 30, 60, 90, 120 days ago. Like it was just like, uh-huh. you know, through this, let's go for many customers, you know, paying up front or paying on credit card um, rather than one or one or two or, you know, five or 10, whatever it might be. Uh, uh-huh. And so where I got back together with Gary is um, towards the end of that period, uh, we were sort of building out a more corporate arm of the business and, and Gary uh-huh. had just come in from the back of burnt out um, direct sales. So he was, uh, sort of selling energy plans door to door or credit cards at the um, mm. at the airport and that sort of That's stuff. Hard stuff. That's hard stuff. Yeah, the door to door, the dreaded door to door. Yeah, I mean, I've never done it, but yeah. I'm, I'm, I hope I never have to. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, you know, it, it's interesting. I've never done it either, and I'd be terrible at it. But um, you know, Gary always says he, he, he like the, the the training he received from that of you know learning rejection, learning how to how things are numbers games where it's you know you can work out numbers. Yeah, it's really, really valuable. Uh, anyway, we got together and went, oh, fuck it, there's this, you know, whole new, you know, growing market of um, technology companies uh, where you can, you know, sort of with a website, you can be big from day one. And um, mm-hmm. and that, yeah, that was about 10 years ago. And, and we've done a whole lot of fun things since then. 
uh, and still doing fun things now. Um, we've had a few successes along the way, um, uh, less less uh, unsuccessful things, um, but still a, still a handful. And yeah, we're just uh, at the moment we we sort of uh, there has been certainly even between us and in our, in our businesses this sort of reset from from COVID and sort of the nature of how we work and and, and live, uh, and we're really sort of enjoying that and embracing that at the moment. Awesome, uh, awesome, yeah. Sounds sounds unreal. Um, and I'm interested to know, so obviously, like you said, you, you tr- kind of transitioned from, I guess, a passion industry, like you said, theater, you know, you went and studied theater and so on and so forth. That led you to, you know, your own business and you're in that business for, for you know, a decent while and so forth. Um, when you, you know, you got together again with Gary and you said, all right, cool. There's this new world of opportunities in front of us. We've got a lot of skills in business now. You know, how can we apply those skills to a, a new venture and in the digital space? When you look at your LinkedIn, you see somebody who, you know, builds and sells businesses. That's what it looks like, you know? Like, was that was that the prerogative going in? Was it like, hey, we can make an opportunity here to flip businesses, to build something? Or did it just happen naturally? How did this whole thing come about? Yeah, really, really excellent question. Um all our businesses and the nature of every single thing we've done uh, or every single thing we've, we've pursued has been about solving uh, a problem or a need or a desire of our own. And so, um, you know, it, with me, with the production businesses, towards the end of the production businesses, we uh, we had this really frustrating arm of the business that was hire someone, hire account managers for a hundred grand a year and they would build a book of sales. And it was a really frustrating thing for us because it'd be like there'd always be this threat of them leaving. Uh, and we discovered the world of like remote working uh, at the time and hired, we actually hired, I'd hired a couple of virtual assistants uh, out of the Philippines. Um, and uh, and we started experimenting. We didn't know we were experimenting at the time, but we started, I remember we had this website that was, it was landing pages built for ads to drive traffic to these landing pages to hire out, you know, sort of lighting and sound equipment. Um, and uh, we ran this experiment where we had an account executive in the office sitting on live chat. Uh, and and he'd be like, oh, no, nah, shit. And after two weeks of checking, how's it going? Oh, not so good. And then be like, oh, we realised that a week ago he turned it off to go to the toilet and never turned it back on. And so I remember grabbing um, meds. And it's sort of funny to think about this because uh, 10 years later we still work with meds. But um uh, grabbing my, my VA at the time and saying, hey, could you do me a favour? Could you take over from Brad in the office and, and sit on this? Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, that was like the changes that live chat made uh, on a website that was being staffed appropriately um, sort of blew our mind. And so even though that came out of our production business, that that's the business called Lead Chat today. Um, we still own it, mm-hmm. still run it, um, but that was very much mm-hmm. solving a problem we had. Uh, and so still still sort of is. Uh, and, I feel like that's the best so, way to start a business. You know, that's the best way to start a business. You have an intricate, um, very close to hand, idea, uh, you know, overview of the pain. You know, this sucks. Yeah. I want to I want to fix it for myself. And I know it's going to add such huge value to us. There's got to be other people out there that are going to want to, you know, buy the product. Or yeah. Service. Yeah. It's a psychological thing. I think you, you really have to... To know what the pro for us to know what the product is that you're selling to understand how to sell it and to sort of win at, at sort of selling it um you you need to understand the psychology of the customer and so the best way to, to understand the psychology of the customer is to be the customer 
Uh, and that that is the same with everything we've done uh, and doing. It is, you know, we're solving a problem for ourselves. Let's solve it for other people too. Um, and the, yeah, that's that's sort of the nature of, of what we're doing. And so, uh, they're, they're, we've certainly um, we've certainly sold a bunch of businesses. And that's not come around because we thought let's build and then sell. Um, that's come around because uh, experience over the last sort of ten years has has uh, taught us that um, one we like to have fun. So everything we, we really do want to enjoy what we're doing. Now, not everything is fun. There is there. Are, certainly points that are not fun. There's always, you know, boring accounting or legal or whatever, mm -hmm. whatever other matters to deal with, compliance, uh, all these sort of things, but it's part of winning, so it can be fun. Um, <laughs> but the, the, what we've really learned is that um, we enjoy taking a concept, uh, a concept or an idea. We enjoy taking sort of that from zero to one. So we uh -huh. really like the build. We like uh -huh. to start something, build it, uh, and then it gets to this point where when it starts to get uh, a little bit more serious, and that can be a sliding scale of what that actually means, um, but when, when it starts to get heavy layers of management, um, heavy layers of direct reports, it's no longer fun for us. Uh, and so what has tended to happen is that's been the point of where we've gone, you know what, it's time to, to move on. Someone will do a better job with this business by taking it from the, you know, the one to a hundred point. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, it sounds like um, it sounds like you're a true entrepreneur, kind of like an uh, like even um, I like to think uh, of entrepreneurs as kind of inventors, you know, the inventors of the of of, of our generation, I guess. Um, and it feels like you're you know you're a real product guy and so forth. I want to go like I want to ask a real broad question because um, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on this. You know. <laughs> so many people in life sit there and they have an idea of something that they would love to try and put out into the world. They want to start a business, you know, um, they want to, you know, improve an industry. They've got this grand idea, but they, they get, um, they get held back. You know, they're very worried about the repercussions of failure or whatever it may be. You seem like the opposite of that guy. I'm kind of quite like that, you know, and I, and I have my feelings for why for me, that is the case. You know, I don't, I kind of act first, think later, jump in the deep end, learn how to swim. Um, you know, that's, but I'm interested to know where you think it, it came from, from your end. Yeah. Uh, really excellent question. So I, so first things first, um, the younger you are or the less commitments you have, I should say, uh, the mm -hmm. easier it is to start something. And I'm so sure. the, if you've had past success and you can still ride on the coattails of that success being, you, you, you know, you've sort of played the game of, of life and money and been able to get to a certain level and press save. So you can't go really go backwards from there. You have a fortunate um, position. You have a very lucky position to be able to uh, try something new because mm -hmm. failure, failure isn't desperation. Now in saying all this, I have a very, I've always had, held a very strong uh, opinion of, of uh, not having regrets. And it's sort of like that sliding doors thing is no matter what you do, things could have gone another way. Uh, and, you know, there are many, many pivotal moments in my life that I look at, had I not done this, then that wouldn't have happened. And as part of that, I have a, have a strong view or a strong belief that um, no matter how bad things might get, they always get better. Uh, and and the, the reason I hold that view is because it's always been true for me. So at some point, it may not be true for me. Uh, same thing may get bad and not get better, but uh, you know, up until this stage of my life and for the foreseeable future, I can look at things and say, no matter how bad things get, um, things mm -hmm. things will get better. So, 
Uh, in Australia, we, we have this problem, this tall poppy thing. Mm -hmm. And so uh, you launch something and you generally you're afraid to tell people publicly what you're doing. Um, and that's more because probably more because people are going to sort of talk shit about you behind your back and you might care about that. Uh, and so we tend to launch things quietly, uh, not rely on family or friends uh, to, to really back those businesses, but actually go out and try and uh, get real customers. And then, you know, they're successes or not successes. Um, yeah. And and that thing of if you try something, give it a crack. If it doesn't work, it doesn't matter. Like if you, mm -hmm. you know, I was recently chatting to a friend who's, who's you know, and it worked in a, actually a government job. And she she earns uh, fairly significant money, but is is somewhat bored or unexcited. Wants to get into the corporate world, but the corporate world is going to pay her less. Um, mm -hmm. certainly, certainly less initially. And she's just like, I'm I'm just not sure what to do. And, you know, my opinion similarly with things like that is, well, take the leap, do it. Like, what's the worst case that happens? You know, you go, mm -hmm. you're in twenty or thirty percent less for a couple of years. Um, that yeah. that would that might be a failure, and it all fail, falls in heat. But government will take you back if you really need to. So like. The risk you're taking is actually really low, uh, and so yeah, my my opinion is like just just do it. I mean, think about what you're doing, think about what the endpoint is, but get out and do it. Don't be too afraid to do it because like, if failing, which you know a large majority of things do fail, uh, you learn lessons, but also it's it's very very far from the end of the world. Hey hey hey, let me tell you something interesting about hiring. Right now, it sucks. It's hard, it's also expensive, but it doesn't have to be. If you hire remotely with Athena, you'll skip the hurdles of having spectacular people on your team. And no, you'll pay far less than you think. We save businesses like yours up to 70% of typical hiring costs. That's up to 80 grand per account executive person per year. You could use that leftover cashola to scale. What are you waiting for? Head over to www.athena.io slash rare to learn more. That's www.athyma.io slash rare. Um, I feel like um, I uh, personally invested in real estate really early, so my kind of risk level was was high from a young age. So I feel like I really benefited from that. You know, like the big the big decisions, you know, I was kind of making them from an early age and I, and I feel like that that really helps. So um, Michael, when you're looking at um, businesses to start, what was the first exit that you had? The first, uh, was it the, the, the production company or was it the next venture into the digital space? And, and tell us a little bit about the story of like getting to that, that exit, you know, getting to a successful sale. Cause like, you know, a lot of people build businesses, not many people sell businesses. You've done it a number of times. I'm, I'm interested to hear how that whole process was feeling it out and getting to that point. Yeah. So, so I'll go back and say, we never build these businesses to sell really. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's not designed. So, um, and part, so what that means is we actually build businesses to be profitable, which uh, in technology space can be uh, like, it can be good and bad. And so I, I do invest in technology companies and so I have different views on that. So, but the businesses we build are about a profit and loss and a cash flow. Can you know, mm -hmm. how, like, can they stand on their own? And so, the selling the production business, uh, we certainly did sell, but I won't talk about that because that was not a successful sale. That was like a sort of recouping some of the losses. 
Um, mm -hmm. the, the first business we really sold was uh, an e-commerce business. We, we probably sold it way back in 2016. Mm -hmm. um, and that was a business that uh, was producing fantastic profits and fantastic mm -hmm. cash flow. The, actually, the cash flow was amazing. The profits were amazing. Um, mm -hmm. But we just got to this point where uh, back then we were like, you know what, e-commerce, it's sort of like, it's a product business, not a technology business. Uh, and we'd like to shift into technology businesses, like focus on software rather than product. And uh, and so we decided let's sell this because it's a distraction. Um, we've made a bunch of money along the way. Um, and uh, and when I say we, it was actually my business partner who said, I'm going to sell this. And I'm like, oh, I don't have time for that. Like we've never built this business to sell. Good luck mm -hmm. to you. And and so the lesson from that or the lesson that we learned from that um, was we made, we made great money along the way. Uh, and so we actually, uh, we were talking earlier about how we've got a place down down the coast, down in Wright. Um, so my business partner and I bought, um, well, we actually only own part of the house, but we bought it with profits from that business way back Amazing. then. Um, yeah. And then, result. yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and when we sold that business, I remember saying to him like, oh, wow, like, uh, I didn't think we'd ever sell this business. Like we're sitting on a bit of money now, um, but you or I have not factored this into our lifestyle. Uh, so I actually somehow convinced him, and, and God bless the guy for uh, for, for uh, going along with the crazy idea. But let's just invest it. Like let's invest mm -hmm. it in other things, uh, and we invested in other things, and, and those other things today have been um, like moderately to, to to sort of very successful. Uh, and that's sort of been the other lesson of when we sell these companies, we tend to, to reinvest the money. So it's sort of, um, I guess we, we pay ourselves wages. We, we have income that we live off. Uh, and then when we have an exit and have any financial success from that, we tend to try and reinvest that money uh, into other projects or other things that we find interesting um, as sort of like future-proofing the, the future proofing ourselves for when we're not earning an income. Yeah, yeah. Giving yourselves the ability to try more things and potentially fail along the way and and yeah. um and, and, and also, you know, potentially win again along the way. Um I'm interested to know, so <clears throat> how's the dynamic with you and um Gary, the the, the I guess uh, consistent co founder relationship, you know? It's a it's a super dicey dynamic. I, 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 but but when it's done well it's a, it's amazing. I remember going to an um an antler event. Do you know Antler? Yep. Antler, yep. the accelerator or whatever you would call them, I guess. I guess you call them yep. accelerator. Um, startup factory, whatever. They, you know, and they have like matchups and meetups and, and, you know, basically co-founder speed dating or whatever to, to align people together. Um, but, you know, you always hear all the famous stories of, oh my God, amazing company. And then, you know, co-founder break up and it was a nightmare or, you know, got stuck in this relationship that there's all these, these bad stories, but you've had um, lots of wins. What do you think yeah. is like the key to having, yeah, just a, a healthy co-founder relationship and thriving as a as a duo? Yeah, it's uh, it's a really quite great question, and and there are there are even more analogies. Forget just like business and, and startups or anything like yeah. that as co-founders. Uh -huh. Like you look at it, and like almost every band uh, has a breakup and has a bad breakup story. Yeah, uh, and they're the same things: band members, co-founders. It, it, it's all in one of the same. And I think um, what happens is there's naturally a point where uh, you you know you start off in one place at one level, and and each person seeks uh, the fame or the ego 
the, like themselves and, and the other person starts to not like that. Uh, and that's what happens. Now, fortunately, Gary and I have been friends, uh, as I mentioned, since uh, we were about three years old. Um, oh, so we, crazy. yeah, we've, we've been through a lot together. Like we, yeah. like we literally, you probably paid your pants together. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, uh, but you know, we, we, you know, talked about our dreams together, like all these sort of things yeah, yeah, sort, yeah. Of, sort of known. And I, I actually think I'm really fortunate. I've got a lot of friends that, that, that like that I've had for 20, 25 years, um, that, you know, from, from really all over the, all over the country. Uh, mm-hmm. And that, like, we've known each other since we were sort of teenagers, and we, you know, that we've got now friends in high places and friends all over the world. Almost mm-hmm. any country we go to, we can I can find a friend or, or catch up with a friend, or you know, mm-hmm. say this person who's now a senior exec at this Fortune 500 company or whatever it is. But also this thing of knowing, you know, I know where you came from. You know, I know what we used to get up to as teenagers. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's the same with co-founders. It's um, I've had two. I've really only had two new partners uh, in my working career. One in the the events business, and and, and one now. Uh, and I've been really fortunate that both were were really successful from founder founder point of points of view. Mm-hmm. Um, the so the thing, the key thing to so the of the whole founder speed dating that sort of thing. It's very foreign to me. It would never work for me. Um, yep. uh, now I have taken co-founders on in, in a couple of businesses, uh, that we're running now that are sort of newer relationships, but they're sort of, they they are a different dynamic to Gary and I, uh, and mm. I think, um, part of the success is also knowing, uh, when it's not going to work anymore. Like, you know, with, with, mm. with Gary, my old friend and, and co-founder that we've had so much success, it's also about going, there's going to be a point at which we go, like, we're not going to do any more new businesses together. Like we're, mm-hmm. we're both at a level where uh, we're chasing different different dreams or different desires um, mm-hmm. and just understanding that and not getting too upset. Uh, now, all these things, again, come from the fortune of uh, we've had successes. So it, it's not like yeah. we have everything riding on the coattails of one, one thing. Uh, yeah. And it's just understanding that. And I think also... Um, as you get a bit more experience, you also start to learn about what's important, um, what makes sense in life, what the dream you're chasing is, and what what you know what what it means to not hit that dream or to hit that dream. Uh, but yeah, so I, I just think the dynamics are hard. Um, someone you know, someone who operates on a similar level to you, uh, on an intelligence level, on an economic level, on a values level, they're all important things. But um, but also opposites can be good. Yeah. And and Michael, considering how you are and what your strengths are, what skills or or what sort of person do you do you need in in a co-founder? Uh, you need someone who's very understanding. So having a, an appreciation for psychology for all co-founders, I think, is really important because uh, I would say things and get into moods that are really frustrating. Uh, and I know, like I know with Gary, he knows how to push my buttons if he wants to, and he knows how to not push my buttons if he wants to, and that can be in the same conversation. Um, so I can be, I can be saying something that's totally outrageous and he'll know how to trigger me to get me to like, go, go, you know, uh, like he'll, yeah, he'll know how to gaslight me. Uh, but he'll also know, he'll also equally as and importantly know when not to gaslight me. Um, and just to say, oh, you know what, Michael, yeah, you're absolutely right. And you know, yeah, you said this and I agree with you so let's do that um yeah it, it, it's probably that that appreciation for other people so uh, listening is a really important skill um 
Yeah. 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 Mm. Hey, um, you mentioned uh, zero to one. So, you know, there's a lot more entrepreneurs out there that are trying to go from zero to one to one to 100, really, just by uh, process of elimination, obviously. Um, but, um, but what are the keys, you know, what, what skills do you need to have as founder, co-founder, early stage team to get, you know, a product off the, off the ground, uh, a go to market team, a go to market team up and running, you know, that's the, the, that's the toughest thing, you know, that first bit of momentum and, and finding product market fit. You've done it on multiple occasions. Like what are the things that you think are the key attributes from a team and from you as a founder and like, how do you make that happen? Yeah, so so I think in business you have different levels of, of team and requirements. So uh, in the early stages of a company, uh, all your your entire team needs to be a bit of uh, it needs to be a very creative team. So they need to be able to, and by creativity, they need to be able to make decisions and and have a point that their their contributions contribute to the overall DNA and direction of the company or the the, the legacy of the company. Um, and and as as a business sort of progresses and gets a bit more serious, those things need to delineate a little bit more into sort of um, reporting or management sort of relationship uh, and process, following processes. And then larger and larger businesses get more about you know you need to find people who can fulfil a role of process rather than fulfil a role of create, creative thinking. Um, and so uh, these days, um, uh, good and bad, we probably. Uh, say that we'd have enough experience to determine whether something has a high potential of working, like whether it makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. But we do we do a lot of database research uh, in things. So uh, for a product company like the Natural Patch Code that we're running now, it's like we'll look at uh, what audiences might look like on ads or Google search or, or that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll look at what competitors are doing. We, you know, there are data points to look at and go, oh, this is you know sort of interesting. And there are other companies to look at to go, here's how a, you know a company two or three or five years ago uh, had you know had success. Like, what's the new take on that? Um, mm-hmm. But but I think building an early team is about building people who sort of you know Jack or Jill's or or James's of, um, of of all trades. So so uh, yeah. So very much our team is able to flexibly move between roles, uh, and then just as you start to mature, you're hiring for specific roles uh, and trying to you know hire experts for specific roles uh, that are I guess less about the creativity, more about the the function. Uh-huh. Yeah. And do you have the motivation to t- kind of take something from? Uh, I mean, you seem like a guy who you know, is built on fundamentals, you know, so not raising crazy amounts of capital on a crazy valuation and chasing that unicorn status. And to, you, you don't, you don't seem like that guy for everything you've told me, but no, I'm you not, know, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But do you have like, do you have like aspirations to, to, cause it seems like you've had amazing, a, a bunch of really great exits, but do you have the, the fire in your belly to go, all right, cool. I'm going to create the next Canva or whatever. Or like, are you really happy in, in building that stuff from zero to one? Uh, yeah, so then they're not raising money thing. You know? As I said, I, I, I see the invest now, it's sort of like as a hobby. Um, uh-huh. And so I have differing opinions on this. I'm not a fan of raising money because of uh, the path that drives you down. And, and you know, it's still, still actually just uh, yesterday, the day before I was reading a Twitter thread about uh, a large US company and companies that they're funded and who's funded them. And, 
and how I realise what the politics are at play. That's not just about this is a good idea or has good fundamentals. It, it can be about a whole bunch of other things. Um, as much as I see friends with such huge successes, far beyond you know sort of my wildest dreams financially, um, the the it's just not the path for me. So so uh, with experience, maturity, and sort of I think as you get older and realise that you know some of those dreams have to curb down. Um, I've started to appreciate values and, and life values more and more. So I've started to appreciate what can I be doing now to um, have a month off with my kids uh, whilst they're young or, you know, or plan to go traveling, take a sabbatical and, you know, for six months or 12 months with my kids before they get to a certain age. Um, you know, how do I teach them what, what's important in life? Uh, and that also, you know, that changes from from time to time. But yes, raising money isn't my thing because I don't want to be driven by the pressures of uh, what that system is. But I certainly invest in companies like that because because the right ones um, that 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 work uh, can have some really huge success for everyone. And and you know, these different different sort of different factors and different paths suit different personality types. I'm. Not the personality type, and, and certainly my co-founder Gary is not the personality type where um, we want to like we run, want to raise money from someone who will constantly be writing us and telling us and pushing us uh, to do this, this, that, and then you know it might all fall into a heap. Not because the product's bad, but because uh, the financial structure is bad. Yeah, yeah, they're uh, diametrically opposed. Um, really, like uh, paths and decisions in uh, in in running a business and therefore like, you know, running your life, I, I feel like. Um, yeah. I, yeah. I'll, yeah, also, yeah. sorry, just quickly on that. I So we have raised money in the past and, and I remember about 10 years ago, we raised some money for a company that didn't actually work out because, hey, we had no idea what we were doing. Uh, it was a good idea. But <laughs> At least you're honest. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. But, but like forever feel guilty about that. And, you know, I laugh yeah. under how little money it was in the scheme of things, but I like forever mm. feel guilty about not just not, not, like not not repaying them but not giving them wild success and mm-hmm. you know it's sort of funny that i say because as an investor i'm like uh as soon as i'm excited about an investment it tends to be that i'm excited about an investment excited about an investment and then as soon as i send the money over i'm like yeah whatever money spent it's gone um <laughs> yeah. And, and but yeah as, as someone who's taken money before it's just that that i don't know that that uh i guess yeah where where my guilt lies i just falls too much to you know just people putting money in which is probably not where it should lie mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah fair enough hey um so i would love to hear about um you know the natural patch company that's obviously you, you know your most recent project you would say or like that, that's that's yep. really um up and thriving so you know tell us a little bit about it what stage is it at what does it do? Yeah. Like, I'd love yeah. to hear, hear about your, your newest um, adventure, I yeah. guess you'd call it. For sure. So um, as all things tie in with saying your businesses, uh, uh, way back in maybe it was October or November uh, 2019, I remember standing in the office with my co-founder, Gary, who's now since relocated to the Sunshine Coast in, uh, in Queensland. Um, Gary. Yeah, saying, <laughs> I was telling him how, you know, uh, my, my youngest, when we go to the holiday house in Rye, my youngest, like, just somehow, like, mosquitoes just annihilate her and she has this, these huge welts from mosquito bites. And I, we were just talking about it. And um, and his his wife has been a, a sort of into natural or aromatherapy oils for, for many mm-hmm. years. And I remember him saying, oh, you know, like, uh, you know, Evie makes 
similar aromatherapy um, concoctions that you could rub on the skin or do this or do that. And uh, somehow we just sort of went, oh, wouldn't it be cool? Like, I can't even quite remember how we got there, but wouldn't it, my kids love stickers. Wouldn't it be cool if we had like stickers that also had the essential oils in them that repelled mosquitoes? Uh, and, you know, that solved the problem for my then one and a half year old Sadie. Uh, from getting bitten at the holiday house that we bought from the profits of a business a few years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, all, it's all come full so, circle. <laughs> yeah, and it always does with every business. And yeah, and yeah. so this funny thing happened where we went, I remember that uh, over that summer, so I remember over December and January, and if I look back at my text messages and WhatsApps with Gary, there'll be all these things about, oh, you know, here's an idea, this is why it would work. Um, and we'd learned, so the honest truth is we'd learned all these lessons from running an e-commerce business in the past about what is good and what is bad about e-commerce. And so I can tell you some fundamentals from us. Uh, is consumable product is good. Uh, Non-consumable is bad because you, you want to get a repeat order rate. Um, product that fits mm -hmm. in an envelope is good. Product that fits in a package is bad uh, because mm -hmm. your shipping rates are very expensive. Um, oh. Product that product that, uh, that that is the solution for kids or pets is good. Um, okay. products that are solutions for, uh, you know, women and, and less, less in fact, men uh, are, are bad because people will make, like people will make a spend decision on their child or their pet uh -huh. uh, a lot nice. faster than they will on themselves. Um, uh -huh. A product, our product, you know, which is, you know, that sort of size fits in an envelope, um, great for shipping. Uh, it's a continual mm -hmm. product, great for repurchase rates. Uh, it's a natural product, great for the environment. Like it, it's, uh, it started ticking all these boxes. Anyway, so we're seeing all this back and forth, November, December, uh, and oh, sorry, December, January, and, and then we did nothing. Uh, and this was into the start of 2020. And I remember when the pandemic hit uh, around probably about April after we had had a very stressful period of uh, packing up our office, not in person, and, and like uh, for any business owner that had staff uh, at the time, uh, it was like, just go, 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 stress. Um, I remember saying to go, you know what? Like we've sat on this idea for like four months, which is a long time for us. Um, we might go broke in our technology businesses. So like, fuck it, let's do it. Like now, <laughs> now's, now's the time to do it. Pile on the stress. The two, words that, the two words that seal any, any real, uh, any real <laughs> business agreement at the very end. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck yeah. And and so we uh, so we launched with uh, a mosquito repellent sticker and, and uh, we just have the experience with sourcing product with standing up a, a Shopify site getting that live. Um, you know we had a business that was a Shopify app uh, once upon a time that we sold um, all these sort of things. We, we had enough experience where we could launch that relatively quickly and start testing it relatively quickly. And we saw like the immediate indicators were really good. Uh, yeah. and, uh, we just sort of went, ah, oh, this is sort of cool. And after three months, it's like, oh, all right, time to, this is serious. Let's, 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 uh, roll it out of sort of like just the shell entity that we had doing nothing and start naming it correctly and start thinking about things. And after a year, we sort of said, um, well, what other products besides mosquito repellent and, and now that's saying called magic patch, which is the poke bite remedy. Uh, or post bite sticker, um, and so we we actually were originally just called Buzz Patch, which was the first product, and, and we realised that like uh, this is good, this is a good market, and we you know working with some universities on even the patch, the actual sticker technology. Mm -hmm. um, as funny as that sounds, um, what like what else can we be solving? Like how can how can we sort of give parents a shortcut uh, to other mm -hmm. remedies? Like not just a shortcut mm -hmm. to not getting bitten by mosquitoes, but maybe it's a shortcut to 
getting your kids to bed or, or having, mm-hmm. you know, focusing on schoolwork or, you know, or meditating, whatever it might be. And, and so uh, we just had this view of stand us up, be global from day one. Um, we very quickly put together um, warehouses, so localised shipping. We knew we had to have fast shipping, so we, so we mm-hmm. localised shipping in the US and Canada and Australia, uh, mm-hmm. Singapore and New Zealand. Um, and we're able to do that. And even like that, going back to that, even tying in with having friends everywhere. So our first distribution channel in the US and Canada was literally old friends, old school friends, old, yeah, old right. friends from 25 years ago where we'd be like, hey, Dave, uh, do you have some spare time during the pandemic? <laughs> uh, can we ship a bunch okay, of product yeah. to you? And, and you know, quite successfully, actually, um, one of our friends, Dave, who, who lives in the US, that's actually visiting Melbourne at the moment, um, uh, they had this problem with they were in middle America. Uh, I shouldn't say a problem, but like in middle America, they, they were running a, uh, some Airbnbs and, and alongside a mm-hmm. bunch of other things. And, and it wasn't pandemic wasn't great for anyone. Uh, and I remember saying, Hey, can we stand this up? And, and I, like, I know at some point they built up, they were doing a, essentially a third party logistics out of the U S for the entire continental um united states and uh-huh. they they were they all of a sudden had stood up at 3pl for us we we're hiring like 10 people um from their local small town like it was just like what a That's success crazy. story Every, everyone's getting <laughs> everyone's making bank and like yeah, we're, yeah. we're loving it you're loving it uh yeah so it really yeah everything ties together uh yeah so that's awesome that's awesome you're, you're able to use your old your old buddies it's um pretty funny we um we started as an Australian company, Athena, and then we incorporated into the US and we used this Stripe product uh, called yeah, Stripe Atlas. Yeah, 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 we used Stripe, Stripe Atlas um, and it was very early in Stripe Atlas's, um, like, I guess, product life. life. Um, and what happened was when you sign up to Stripe Atlas, it gave you um, a US address, but it gave you Stripe's US address, which just <laughs> was all these different problems all in one. And I was thinking, okay, cool. And we didn't really have much money and it's really um, quite expensive to have a US um, postal address and, and so forth. So I um, spoke to my buddy Harry, who I met in Peru actually about 12 years earlier at a hostel. Um, we call him Sucio, which is Spanish for D- Dirty Harry. And, uh, I, and I spoke to Sucio and I said, hey, uh, hey mate, um, can, I, uh, can I use your address for Athena's um, official business address? And he was like, yeah, yeah, cool, no worries. It's for, for, actually, I won't read the address out. But it's still the address of Athena today. Is Harry's address in San Diego? <laughs> so you know, definitely Susio. gonna lean on. Susio has fifty percent of Athena's equity right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. He's slowly planning a corporate takeover. Uh, yeah, 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 I have to watch him. He's a bit of a dodgy bastard. Actually. No, they're just joking. <laughs> but no, that's okay, great. So, so story. So, so we're um, I uh, we've done in the. We've incorporated into the US, but the Naturopath Co is, a, is a, an Australian entity that operates on, in multiple countries. Uh, and that comes with a whole bunch of problems. One being that um, we have some customers send us checks. So we have a, a wholesale channel where we sell to retailers and we have customers sending us checks, but we have no way to bank a check uh, mm-hmm. in the US. So we, we use uh, actually Airwallex, uh, a little bit of wire mm-hmm. for, our, for our banking needs, but there's no way to bank a check into Airwallex. And so mm-hmm. the same friend in the US, I'm like, hey, some people have posted us some checks. Uh, can we have them redirected to you? You bank them into your business account, and then you know we'll you know do the deal and get the money across to us. And and same sort of thing. So all of a sudden we're, we're able to bank 
some dollars uh that like again it's just like hey can just whatsapp friends anywhere in the world and, and figure that out yeah yeah you got to call in the favors that's what friends are for uh, um, indeed. yeah yeah hey so <laughs> look um michael i would love to hear you know before i'm going to throw it to wallow uh, shortly to, to wrap up with some um rapid fire questions but we'd love to hear a little bit about um you know where would you like to be in your life uh, um you know natural patchco you, you know your other ventures what what is the future for you in five or ten years you know what do you expect and what, what are you trying to achieve yeah so five or ten years uh so in terms of business planning like we'll never really plan beyond six to no i like 12 months um uh-huh, but uh-huh. the planning for 12 months time is not particularly serious so we tend to plan three months in ahead of hey what, what are we going to do in the next three months and achieve and that's also mm-hmm. fortunate for not raising money we can do with that as we wish uh, personal life. Um, I honestly have like my businesses have been, uh, a means to, uh, enjoying what I do for a living plus making some money. Uh, and the truth is I'd, I would love to get to a point where I can go, you know, I'm investing in, or I'm putting my time and effort and money into, uh, things that make a difference and whatever that means, it means, and it means at the time, um, not necessarily what it is today, but the, the point is being being at a point where I'm comfortable enough and, and in a fortunate enough position where uh, I can do things that affect change rather than just make a profit. Uh, and that's and I think really the Natural Patch Co is is a company that's probably of everything we've done the one leading us most most to that path of going uh-huh. do things do things that are not just like for profit but actually do good. Uh, and and almost one of these lessons I've learned is is with product um so generally people like you've got your lefties and your greenies and they're into environment and do good and mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. that sort of thing um, but mm-hmm. fundamentally consumers will uh will buy products that are good for the environment or chemical free or not genetically modified if they are the same price or better uh, and achieve mm-hmm. the same results or better and so mm-hmm. really with the natural patch codes like we, we don't push like our messaging isn't about choose, you know, cruelty free or choose uh-huh. environmentally friendly or choose, you know, natural chemical free product. Our message is, um, or like with mosquitoes, like find a great repellent that is convenient uh, that your kids yeah. will enjoy. Um, uh-huh. And just by the way, it happens to be the same price or cheaper than the alternative methods, which are actually have chemicals in them or are bad for the environment. And so that, awesome. that's all just a pathway to leading, leading towards if, if you can produce products uh, that do good, but don't cost anymore. Um, you're going to win over a consumer and, and like in terms of business and, and self-satisfaction, that's a, it's actually a, a, a really great outcome for me. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. Awesome. Yeah, um, so I'm going to throw it over to you, Wallo. Yeah. <laughs> over to you, Wallo, for, uh, some rapid fire. Okay. Yeah, sure. Okay. So Michael. <laughs> What is your yeah? What is your favorite book right now? I think Doc is back in, is frozen kind of. Uh, oh no, you lost me. You lost me. Shit. Sorry, guys. Uh, you know, I, I get asked about books from time to time. I'm I'm actually a big podcast listener um, uh, rather than book reader, and and uh, I you know I can give you excuses as to why that is, but the truth is just. <laughs> I, I don't enjoy sitting down and reading. Um, it's probably a bit of a, a you know predisposition of my I don't know chemical makeup that I can't sit still. Um, but uh, I, so I'm a big podcast listener. I really roll between podcasts. So 
Um, it's about what's interesting, exciting, what's educational. Um, I'm a massive, uh, like I don't do anything fiction uh, in terms of books or podcasts or anything. It's all, all nonfiction. Uh, at the moment, I'm listening to My First Million, which is just, um, they tend to be uh, interviews of people who've had successes uh, and how they got there and what they're doing. And I just find that really interesting from like understanding the psychology of, of yeah. consideration of the, how people are doing things and why they're doing things in a certain way. Yeah. Okay, uh, my next question is, what is one tool that you can't live without? Uh, one tool that I cannot live without. Uh, hmm. I like, I think the advent of the iPhone, so, so work, a lot of people say like distractions of phones and those sort of things means you're never off. Um, I find that tools like the phone, uh, even my Apple Watch, uh, and recently I got actually the Aura Ring, um, is they're tools that allow me to switch off a little bit, uh, a little bit more than I would. So I feel like my, my general work hours are sort of uh, eight till three. Um, and I do that so I've got time in the afternoons that I can, you know, help with family stuff or have my own personal time, whatever that might be, going to the dentist, you know, whatever. Oh, I uh, and I find that, so I find devices and technology like that has made things like I don't need to be stressed and standing in front of my computer to be able to uh, keep going with work or be in touch that, you know, I know how things work. And the, and the watch actually, the, the move from the just having a phone to having a watch means uh, I, I've just programmed my settings and notifications on my watch that basically if my phone vibrates in my pocket, I know it's work related. If my watch mm. vibrates, it, it's going to be personal, like it's going to be a text message mm. or what that message, not an email yeah. or anything like that. Yeah. yeah. So the ecosystem, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and speaking of the ecosystem, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a massive Apple fanboy, always have been. Uh, and because, like, Me you know, too. you get stuck in this ecosystem of Apple equipment <laughs> and, and then you sort of need to keep going down that path that all just works <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Okay. My final question is what advice do you have to entrepreneurs, you know, trying to build your businesses and live their lives with no regrets like you? Yeah, I, I think it's um, when you get into something, like understand uh, your reason for getting into it and try and, and have a relationship with what you're doing. So so the psychology point of view, and, and I've never studied psychology, but I like to think everything I do has a psychology to the time, which is about understanding uh, who the consumer is or who the buyer is or you know, even who the staff member is and why they're going to want to enjoy you know having success alongside uh, you or, or me. Um, so it, it's really do something you you not necessarily know but understand. So be be okay. the consumer yeah. of your own product. Yeah, having perspective. Yeah, thank you. I'll throw it back to Doc to finish up the show. Yeah. Cool. Um, look, Michael. Oh, um, you're muted. Oops. Look. Yeah, yeah. I think um, I had a little bit of connection issues, so I don't know how Welcome I got but I, I was. Yeah. Thanks. Um, <laughs> So, Michael, um, would love to, for you to uh, take some time to plug anything, you know, where can people find you, anything more about, you know, your, uh, your, your businesses and so on and so forth. You know, now's your time. Yeah, uh, listen, naturalpatch.com is, um, is, is our business. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn. You can find me, just search me, or I think I'm 
probably michael.janky or something like that. Uh, I do a little bit of tweeting. I probably should have said, what's the one tool I can't live without? Twitter is probably one of the most educational <laughs> things I've, I've rediscovered in the last sort of couple of years. Uh, wow. I've certainly made, it, cool. made investments from tweets and, and certainly made decisions <laughs> from tweets. Uh, so I'm on Twitter, uh, Facebook and Instagram. That's more sort of personal stuff, so I wouldn't even bother looking there. But um, yeah, it's, it's, I'm in Melbourne. I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, yeah, uh, hit me up anyway. Awesome. Unreal. Well, um, yeah, unbelievable story. So many people out there, you know, wanting to start businesses and kind of, you know, stopping themselves for whatever reason. You're a perfect example of someone who just, I would say, has has had a crack time after time after time and definitely some uh, some good learning. So, mate, I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today. And um, that's pretty much it from our end. Awesome. It's been heaps of fun. So, thank you. I, I sort of love retelling war stories. And, uh, yeah, thanks so much. Cool. Awesome. Hi, girl. Michael, if you ever go back to theater production, I'm an actor, so you can count on me. <laughs> excellent, excellent. There you go. Uh, you, can tell Tino's, you can tell Tino's in sales. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and now you have friends in Argentina too. Tino's there for you. <laughs> I will hit you up when I haven't made it to Argentina, but I will hit you up when I get there. Let's do it, yeah. <laughs> good stuff, good stuff. All right, well, that's a wrap. That's all for now. This was a great one. After all of his experiences, Michael Janke values his ability to do good above making a profit. That one gripped my heart. Thanks for listening and a big thanks to the adventurous Michael Janke for joining us on the show. If you enjoy our podcast, please support us by sharing your favorite episodes and subscribing on our YouTube, listening on Spotify and every podcast platform available on the bloody planet two where to live too rare to die is supported by athena co-produced by matthias rosenberg and celeste bono creative direction by josefina cordova and hosted by bill kerr and me walu olapoju peace see you next time So you just got funding and you're excited to grow. You're going to need people, great people, but not so fast. Finding them will be very difficult. Hiring them will be pretty costly and paying them will be your biggest expense. After all, a strong team will build an epic business. Yep. But what if I told you you can save two thirds of those hiring costs by employing global staff? Think of all that runway money you can save. We'll find the talent you're looking for and hire them too. Go to www.athena.io slash rare right now to learn more. That's www.athyna.io slash rare right now.